Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Ceremonies, Matt. And man, I have to, Danny, I have to apologize. Yeah, you texted me about this. I, yeah, for, I, I forgot about this too. Uh, Danny, I, I'm beside myself, honestly. I know. I, I really, you expect a certain, I mean, the audience at this point has expected a certain level of acumen from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to a specific fighting game uh, and anything that has to do peripherally with that in the world of horror, mm-hmm. uh, that fighting game uh, would be Nether Realms uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal um, Kombat! Uh, obligatory dance break. Um, however, <laughs> I I have to apologize to everybody for um, not mentioning on our last episode, I know what you did last summer, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Bridget Wilson Sampras... Uh, it was in that movie. Um, uh, she was Sonya Blade in 93's Mortal Kombat, or 95's Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat. And uh, I can't believe I didn't say anything. And um, yeah. I'm sorry. But now you know that. Sonya Blade did was you s- in I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> this is kind of a side tangent, but did you see that they just confirmed that the director's coming back for the new Mortal Kombat sequel? No shit, really? They just confirmed it like two hours ago. Oh, dude, I was at work. I wouldn't have known. That's amazing to hear. So we got the OG director and we got the Moon Knight writer. Yeah. And the justification from Warner Brothers. Anyway, we're getting off track. Um, Complete non sequitur. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Danny. I'm also really excited to talk about this because we haven't talked about it since we watched it, and I had never seen it before this weekend. No, neither one of us have seen this before, and that we've been uh, we've been having that happen a lot um, <clears throat> over this whole series, and I think those are our uh, those end up being like the most shining um, examples. Again, I'm gonna bring up again like Let Me In was the same thing. Neither one of us had seen it before. Yeah. Um, and this one now, I kind of wish we had watched this together because it, it, when I was watching it, it was, it was a very reminiscent of when we would watch, like, Scream at, like, Belle's apartment or something. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so, before we get into it, um, I want to talk a little bit with you about the real-life stuff behind this movie. Mm-hmm. So, um... Did you have any cool urban legends from around your area that you remember growing up with? Like, do you know of any? Was there anything that, like, you guys said a lot at school, or? I was trying to think about that basically this entire movie, and I don't know if it's because when I was a child, I was afraid of so many things that I just, like, blocked out any of the urban legends, but I don't really remember many of them from being, like, around my area. I just remember like Bloody Mary and all the big ones that people always know about, like car hook hand door um, type (laughs) urban legends. But like, I don't remember any that were really for my area, at least that wasn't in my friend group that we would talk about, which I know is a disappointing answer, but I mean, not necessarily because I mean, you mentioned the classic car hook hand door. Um, Yes. Which is somewhat sort of referenced in this movie. Um, but, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's urban legends that are, like, more or less the cultural idea of that specific story and what it means and why it's told. And mm-hmm. then the specific localized versions of that. Yeah. Um, but there's also, 
like urban legends that did originate specifically around your area for one reason or another. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, case in point for both of them. Uh, around me, we had uh, something called Munger Road. We had a it was a place that's near uh, St. Charles. It's kind of in the border between Bartlett and St. Charles uh, in Illinois, where you know where mm -hmm. I grew up. And uh, it's a it's an isolated wooded road. Um, it's in a hilly area that crosses some train tracks at the top of a hill. And the the legend is that a uh, a school bus full of children. Uh, stalled on that uh, railroad, and uh, it was hit mm -hmm. by a train, and all the children outside were killed. So the you know the the thing you do is you take your car to then you park it on the train tracks, and you put your car in neutral, and you put baby powder on the back bumper, and uh, you know you're slowly gonna find yourself being rolled over. And now you know you could chalk it up to you know you're on a hill, you know your car's mm -hmm. in neutral, it's gonna move. But then when you go back and you check the bumper, you find little tiny handprints in the baby powder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found out that that is not only uh, not original to Illinois, but also never actually, like, happened. Just like with most urban legends, like, the story is, like, someone took it from something that kind of sounded familiar and put mm -hmm. it just in their town. Yeah. Uh. The other kind that's very specific to Chicago. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's it's mainly since like within the last five or six years. Apparently, Chicago specifically in the Chicago area has a flying mm -hmm. humanoid, a Mothman. Oh, I had not yeah, heard man. about this. I've only recently found out about this, and it's only within the last couple of years. But like, we're talking in like dozens of sightings, like mostly around like O'Hare Airport. But it's like a huge okay. humanoid thing with big wings and big red eyes. And it's, you know, been seen all over the place. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I kind of hope it's real. I really would like a, a cryptid in the Chicago area. I'd love to be able to see it because I'm never going to see yeah. it. Yeah. I'll say I'll have to look for it when I'm an O'Hare at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. So with all this talk... Of urban legends, mm -hmm. we're gonna cover urban legends from 1998. Yeah, uh, I would describe it very simply as I know what you did last summer meets Final Destination. I'm so glad you said that because I did make a joke to myself because I watched this movie alone about the Final Destination wind in this movie. It was pretty powerful. I was like, <laughs> "Hey, Death, you're in this too." <laughs> yeah this 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 nuts wind that uh inexplicably causes I insane bullshit rube to happen. goldberg machines of yeah death. yeah I, <laughs> um it's but you know for this movie it does seem very like it, it's not exactly like the deaths are accidents but they just like everything seems to follow that, like, kind of creeping buildup of shit happen. I don't know how to describe it, but, like, it just captures that energy so specifically. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But like I note you did last summer, uh, it's a kind of a postmodern slasher movie. You know, like, within the 90s, obviously in the mm -hmm. same ilk as Scream, and I know what you did last summer. But... Just like I know what you did last summer, and unlike Scream, it's also another one that's taken seriously. It's played straight in an era where slashers are kind of a joke. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it really doesn't. It doesn't pull like a scream. I've seen I've seen this movie compared to Scream a lot in the past years, which is why it never made it too high on my list. And I'm glad we finally are getting around to watching it and talking about it because this one doesn't take like the overly meta approach that Scream right. does where it makes fun of it. This one's meta in that they're like, oh, wouldn't that be weird? And then it starts happening. They're like, oh, shit, this is like fucked up. Right. Um, so like they kind of know what they're getting themselves into, but they don't use that to make it into a joke. Right. If that makes sense. And just because it's a 90s slasher doesn't necessarily mean that there's always got to be, like, all humor or no jokes. Like, there are some very specifically weird things in this movie that I think are hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, they're not supposed to be funny, but just because of the way the movie is, like... It, it, like, it's played straight, but it's not too serious that it doesn't know, like, how to be ironic. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that doesn't, I don't know if that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but like Scream, it also has a, and like I know you did last summer, has a, has a cast that's very like, whoa, okay. Um, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of people in this movie that you almost wouldn't expect to be in this, to be in this there's movie. There's some horror royalty in this movie. And also just like out of left field people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we get into the cast for it too, and before we get into the movie, I want to say, you know, so we're still in the, in the college era of, uh, the, our, this is growing up series. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we, I feel like now the time has come that every movie we have to do now that there's not like straight up children, we have to like justify why we chose it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at the very least, I feel like, you know, what's what's interesting about this, and I didn't really get it until I started watching it, because, like, they really, kind of like Candyman does a little bit, this movie really gets into a lot of, like, what it is about urban legends that's, you know, makes them interesting and 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 kind of important to society. But I think it hits on a part mm-hmm. of, you know, like, urban legends, just like our series, are a part of growing up, um, especially once you're, like, an adult, uh, or in this case, in college, and you can look back on, like, mm-hmm. all of those formative experiences that encapsulate, like, why you thought that urban legend was scary or, like, why it stuck with you. Like, obviously, like, mm-hmm. our friend Kelly, something happened to him in his past about a porcelain doll. But, like, and so that, that would be intercal, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, in some way, it, like, is important to something. It Like, it's an important life experience because it taught him something. Uh, it taught him to fear this doll, but for some specific reason that was important mm-hmm. to his development. It's not to say that, like, they're that important, <laughs> but I just feel like that's what this movie kind of shows. Yeah. That, like, scary things when you're a kid can haunt you as an adult if you, like, aren't paying attention. I don't know. There's not, like, a message. This movie's just a slasher, <laughs> but I'm trying to justify it Yeah. Somehow. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, dude, what did you think about the opening to this? Okay, so, all right, so I kind of knew about this movie going into it, but this opening scene set the tone for how I was going to watch the rest of this movie, because, and I'm, I might get, I might get some shit for this, but she deserved oh. to die. 
I was so (laughs) mad at this girl because not only is she just like on edge, which understandably so, but like she is just a royal dick to the poor person who's just trying to do his job during a storm. Like this poor old older guy who can't talk very well is just trying to help her and trying to warn her about a literal murderer in her backseat, and all she can do is get mad and pepper spray him. And like, yes, I know. Take care of yourselves. It's a dangerous world out there. But like, she was also just mean to him because he couldn't talk well, and that doesn't that's that rubs me the wrong way. Be nice to people. Give them the time of day. Listen to them talk. If even if it takes a little extra second because they stutter, they can't help that. Plus, Danny it's Brad Dourif. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is Brad Dourif. So fucking be nice it's, to him. <laughs> it's Brad Dourif in an uncredited appearance. Right, right. Because he only showed up for about five seconds, and that was it. I say he's in that one scene, and then a picture of him shows up on the TV, and that's when I realized that it was Brad Dourif. Because at first, when I watched the movie, I was like. You know, that guy looks a lot like fucking Brad Dourif. And then his picture came back, and I wrote myself a note and went, It's fucking Brad Dourif! Yeah, I did the same thing. I just wrote that in all caps. <laughs> um, so, okay. You're the aforementioned victim, uh, who deserves death, uh, her name's Michelle Mancini. Yes, uh, Mancini! Mancini... <laughs> Uh, who's Mancini, Danny, just for the uh, listeners at home? Don Mancini is the original creator of Chucky and the Child's Play franchise. And actually, funnily enough, this movie came out within a few months of Bride of Chucky, which was the first revitalization of the Child's Play franchise. And is my favorite, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Miss Mancini is driving alone at night um in a scene again like last episode scary movie likes to rip on this Mm -hmm. uh there's straight up a scene in scary movie 2 where there's a chick driving and she turns on turns on some music and starts singing really terribly over the song and this the radio straight up asks her to shut up and let her sing (laughs) <laughs> and I saw this scene when she's singing very badly over, oh, God, I can't remember what song it is. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, God, that scene came from this. Oh, man. So being a bad singer, being the reason for death aside, the <clears throat> you talked about when she comes in, she needs some gas. Brad Dourif comes out to, like, give her some gas, but he's, like, having trouble t- warning her. And I'm like, okay, this movie kind of seems stupid so far. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't, I don't know, like, the, the tone-wise, it seems kind of goofy. It seems kind of like, it, you know what it seemed for a little bit? Like, drug PSA acting. It did. I'm like, you, what, am I, what, what am I watching I here? couldn't place it. You're totally right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. a very, like, dry, like, n- obviously terrible acting from that. Just mm-hmm. maybe this woman. Maybe that's just why she sucks <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's, like, a, in a funnier way because I'm like, okay, this movie's stupid. The tone's kind of off. Mm-hmm. And then after she pepper sprays Brad Dourif and she speeds away, he manages to scream in a very Brad Dourif way 
someone's in the back seat. Because he was trying mm-hmm. to warn her that a dude with a fucking axe, straight up like silhouetted in the lightning, is just waiting for her to speed away. And then he chops off her fucking head. Yeah, like, and right, it's... Not- I love oh, that shot. It's nuts because it's it's not only terrifying and immediately a, a big tone switch, which this movie does quite a bit with it all of its murders. <laughs> yeah. But it also sets up, okay, you know, you've heard the story of the high beams, right? It was in uh, Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. At least that's how mm-hmm. I know it. Um, of someone is driving home from something and a car or a truck are riding their tail very, very closely, flashing their high beams at them every so often. And it's not until they park mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, like, what the fuck was... And the person comes out of the truck with, like, with a gun or something, you know, in some versions, it's like they get home and they're like, sorry, I was just trying to, like, flash my lights because there's a dude in the backseat who was trying to kill you. And every time he, like, went to go kill you, I turned he my He got up. On. I flashed it. Yeah. And, like, that's horrifying. But in this one they get killed like in this one like it doesn't work like the warnings it, don't, they don't survive yeah yeah and that kind of is it's it's in a very scream way like it sets up what this movie is about and gives you a, a rather violent sudden death real quick mm-hmm. yeah oh man but um the transition again like the last two movies is mm-hmm. all right that's that now we're gonna be hip, young, cool people. Let's see. The yeah, let's meet our our cool cast of crew. Yeah, like in a in a scene that's like friends in a douchey Ivy League college. Like they're just all these kids yeah. sitting around in like this student lounge that looks like it's at mm-hmm. Yale because like fireplaces and shit. And they're telling urban legends to each other, and they tell one that's about their school. That I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but that was the coolest like story I've ever heard. Bro, that would be fucking terrifying to hear about, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the details of that story? Just for the um, just like they outlined that they they set saying, up. I top. remember like, the, not the, the most thing. of the gist. Um, but okay. basically, the gist is one night. Uh, one of the professors was going kind of nuts and he went to one of the dorm halls and just would on one floor, just knocked on a door throughout the entire hallway. And if they opened their door, they got stabbed. And then at the end of the hall, when he had finished or when the professor had finished with all of them, he stabbed himself to death, which is just kind of fucked. And only one person on the floor survived. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm glad I didn't open my door. Yeah. Can you imagine waking up one day and finding out that everyone else on your floor had been murdered? Dude. Like, I don't know whether to be, like, very happy or, like, kind of feel left out at that point. Dude, we'll fucking get to my thoughts on it when we get to how Danielle (laughs) Harris dies in this movie. Oh, my God. Because yeah. that, oh, God, I, I had to take a second and go, oh, shit. Um, no, but it's that same thing of, you know, that's it's an instantly terrifying urban legend because it sets, you know, it, it sets up like, all right, it happened over here, someplace you can see that you can look at. Mm-hmm. No one goes in there. This is why we say. And the don't. schools tried and to cover it up. 
Yeah, because you won't find this anywhere. You won't find the, the mm-hmm. newspapers won't cover it. And I'm like, okay, be that as it may, if anything remotely this crazy happened, you'd be damn sure that everyone around would know about it. That's some insane oh, yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, God, and it's but, the know. 25th anniversary of that story starting. Right, and all the kids kind of take note of that because they all have an urban legends course, so they're it's on the mm-hmm. mind. It's on their like cultural consciousness right now. Um, let's get into some yeah. of these kids. Uh, I only really brought up the three because they're the ones that it. I was able to pay the most attention to. Uh, so we've got okay. Paul, not Paul Allen, but he's still played by Jared Leto. <laughs> but Jared Leto's Paul. Jared Leto, for those who don't know, um, is from American Psycho. He most recently was in Morbius, the Sony movie. And that's... Those are the two big ones these days. I mean, he's also the singer of 30 Seconds to Mars, but, like, no one... Oh, that's true. I I forget about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was the Joker in Suicide Squad. He was uh, in Fight Club way back in the early 90s, right around when he made this movie. Mm -hmm. So that's the era Jared Leto that I'm... So I I gave him the benefit of the doubt, at least at first. Um, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Jared Leto, it seems like, has always been really good at playing douchebags that are kind of out of touch with reality. Uh, Because Paul is that. (laughs) Paul doesn't have a clue, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To the point that I'm like, okay. He really doesn't. Like, jumping a little bit ahead, like, there's a point where I'm like, okay, so Jared Leto is either definitely the killer or it's so obviously not, like, they're just trying to make me be like, he's clearly the killer, but it's not. Like, that's how suspicious Jared Leto just is in real life. So that just reads in his character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, you remember when Paul Rudd was in Curse of Michael Myers? Yes. He's just like that. Jared Leto, as a whole, gives off that vibe in this movie, which is good because it adds to the mystique. That's true, and especially because... um... He's just kind of like the author of the group. He works for the school oh, newspaper. <sighs> with He's his the student Pulitzer from the faculty. Yeah. yeah the fucking, oh my god, the student Pulitzer. I was I'm gonna like, say he was the Gale Weathers me, of the group, but I think no, that's giving Gale him too Weathers much credit. Is important. <laughs> Gale Weathers <laughs> contributes. Okay, Paul is just suspicious, and then ultimately Paul's just kind of there, like. like you're supposed to, I mean, okay, I'm just shitting on Jerry Leto because it's fun. Like, Paul is legitimately an important character because, <laughs> A, he's suspicious as fuck. B, he's, mm-hmm. like, the again, the Final Destination person who's, like, had the premonition, who's, like, trying to convince everyone of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But he also just, like, is the only person that is, like, hey, there's a murderer who's killing people based on urban legends. Because mm-hmm. in a first for the genre, just like with I Know What You Did Last Summer, the universe of the slasher fiction, like the scream and the, all that shit, it completely changes when nobody believes there's a killer. Yeah. It was very, very interesting and very, like, almost like the stakes got raised because it was like, okay, anyone could just be arrested for being suspicious at this point. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. How was that for you? Like when you were going through, uh, how did you find it? Um, oh gosh. Well, so I kind of, hmm, how do I put this? Um, so I, Jesus, words are hard sometimes. I swear. All right. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, I don't speak for a living or anything. Um, but, (laughs) but no, I, yeah, it was Paul in this that just kind of stuck out. Like you were saying, in that he was either absolutely the killer or he was the most obvious red herring I had seen in a horror movie in like 22 years of living. Um, <laughs> but And what really upset me was that for 90% of the movie, I couldn't tell which way it was going to lean until we got closer to the final reveal. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. But I did not you know see even... this ultimate reveal coming. If I'm being no. completely honest, this one really did surprise me. I I really liked it. But even then, like, it, it was still not clear to me whether or not he was still involved. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, because like, he kind of, like, plays oh. along for a second to try to save his hide. Yeah, I'm like, wait, are you also a criminal? Because of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the scream angle where it's like, you There's know, two of oh, them. It's clearly Billy, but it's like, well, but it can't be Billy. And they're like, no, it totally was Billy. He just had help. Yeah. <laughs> that is not the case here, however. I mean, it's, it was just, it fit with that. I'm like, oh, of course, Jared Leto knew something about that. He's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so the next per- person that I want to talk about is Natalie, who's like our main character. Mm-hmm. Um, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I, you know what? Yeah. Uh, kind of more or less by default towards the end. She's the um, main character who's essentially being put through a mental breakdown by the killer. Sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> which is why she's our main character, because she's just being psychologically tormented. <laughs> well, she's psychologically tormented for a very similar type of, you know... Like, it's a lot like Scream Again, where the the main character is just as much of a target, but they're not necessarily mm-hmm. like an impetus. So that's why I say it was kind of unclear if she was going to be a main character because it kind of fairly cycled around everybody. You know, everyone had yeah. a pretty good shake in being important, which was nice. Yeah, this this does feel a little bit more like an ensemble cast for this horror movie because everyone does yeah. get their little moment in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's is just always really suspicious, and Natalie's is usually just being so close to the murders that, again, she might as well also just be... The like murderer. sleepwalking through like, like again like she kind of represents the rest of the ensemble that isn't part of the friend group just being like no I think all of this is just normal mm-hmm. uh, but she's um, unlike Jerry Leto just having just being prolific on in general she's played by Alicia Witt who I know was in Dune uh, David Lynch's Dune not the, the original Dune not the last Dune. year's Dune no, yeah. There's there's new Dune and there's old Dune and then there's Dune. And then there's the book. <laughs> well, that's even that's Dune, capital D U N E. Anyway, there's too many Dunes. Um, <laughs> so she also did something uh, called Eighty Eight Minutes, which I thought was worth looking into, like for us to watch as in a general mm-hmm. uh, case, because it just looked very interesting as well. That's an Al Pacino uh, movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I think also like Christian Bale's in it too. Like it was pretty nuts when I looked at it. Hell yeah. 
Um, so I couldn't really get the gist of what Natalie's relationships were with everybody outside of them just being in class. Yeah. She seems like the only one that's like a normal person. <laughs> yeah. She feels like she's, she has both too much and too little going on to fit in with this group. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know, well, how did, did that rub you the wrong way? I mean, it sounds like you're trying to find a nice thing to say about her. <laughs> no, like, so yeah, I figured pretty early on that she was going to be our main character, considering um, we follow her more often than not pretty early on. Um, yeah. And when we are introduced to her roommate and we're not really introduced to anyone else's roommate, that's when I knew that she was our protagonist, because you don't deal with roommates unless they're important. That's true. And you don't cast them as Daniel Harris if you're not going to be important either. Yeah, you don't bring fucking Jamie from Halloween into this if you're just going to, like, throw the person off to the side for most of the movie. I don't um, remember what her name is, but I just called her Oh, uh, in Daniel this, Harris. Uh, her name is Tosh. Oh, Which cool. is a, a weird name, if you ask me. But um, Macintosh. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what it's short for. I just know that she's she's uh, she's Natalie's goth roommate that likes to fuck to Rob Zombie. Um, yes, she, she does. She seems pretty cool. She's just trying to get her get her rocks off. With get her, her kicks. Leave her alone, Natalie. Okay. <laughs> um, also, man, are those dorm rooms nice? <laughs> they're huge. Also, they're their enormous. bathrooms have like. Two different. They have dual vanities. It is a yeah. nice college. I'm like, this is like the place from H2O where it's just like college prep, but it's just like a hotel for everybody. Oh my god, this was the same year as H2O, wasn't it? No way. You're right. Ninety-eight. That has to. Be- yeah. Holy yeah. shit. That's so- dude. I really want to double feature H2O in this because they have very similar vibes. <gasps> oh, that would be a good double feature. Yeah, man. We already covered H2O, otherwise we definitely would have covered it here. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that takes place in a school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but a- along with the-, the dorm rooms being really nice, the college itself is also really nice. It's like a super yeah. nice Ivy League looking school. The campus, wherever they shot it, which I, I couldn't, I didn't find when I was looking at it, um, but it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Trent University, which is in Ontario, Canada. Most of this was filmed ah, in Canada. Canada. Yeah, I, I think because I looked at a lot of these actors and they're like, Canada, Canada. I'm like, huh. Wait, yeah, Canada makes slasher movies just as much as America does. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting then. Oh, that's interesting then because I feel like these urban legends are all very, like, uniquely American. American. Yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. Um, I know for a fact that um, Rebecca Gayhart is uh, Canadian. She plays Brenda, who's Natalie's, like... Brenda. I thought they were dating for a little bit. I thought they were dating for a hot second. See, I just thought they were, like, on and off friends, because they have a weird friendship in that sometimes they love each other, and sometimes they seem to fucking hate each other. Yeah, it it didn't seem it didn't really strike me as as weird until like halfway through the movie. I'm like, wait, 
what's their deal? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, they don't really like each other all that much. Yeah. It's kind of um, like, just because I finished the Chucky show, I feel like it's a, it's a good um, link-up. Like, sometimes I feel like in slasher content, you can freaking hate each other. But, like, if you're both being targeted, you're kind of, like, de facto mm-hmm. friends. Which is mostly yeah. the case in that entire show. Because all those people hated each other. But they're yeah. like, I guess we're all cool now, man. I'm like, wait, wait, just because the doll tried to kill all of you? In this case, it's the same deal. Brenda, Natalie, on again, off again, friends who maybe kissed a couple of times. However, yeah. now that their friends are dying, now we have to, like, let bygones be bygones. Yeah, Natalie's got to try to break a window in order to try to help her friend she thinks is going to be murdered in a pool. Yeah, that was um, a little spastic, I will say. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It was a little intense. I'm like, whoa there, Natalie. Did you grow up on, like, a survival compound like this she has some very your next type behaviors i'm so glad you brought that up because that's what i was thinking for like half of this movie because <laughs> i was like this this is what helped your next work this set the ground oh absolutely well and it's interesting because just you know just like the chases in this movie alone they, mm-hmm. they, there was never really a, like, once you knew the threat of death was there, it didn't just go away right away. Like, they didn't waste it. Like, they let that linger for a while. So it felt like chases or, like, near misses were very frequent, but they were all very, like, mm-hmm. ooh, they were just juicy. Yeah. Um, but uh, Miss Gayhart was uh, in Scream 2. I think mm-hmm. in 90, wasn't that also 98? I think so. Uh, give me one Maybe second. Maybe the year before. I don't remember her from Scream 2, but Scream 2 is the one Scream I watched. Scream 2 uh, is 97. 97. Okay, so the, okay, so the year before. Mm-hmm. In that case, then, she's one of the numerous people in this movie that have had ties to horror, um, least of which is uh, Robert England. Freddy Krueger himself. Who and he's you not can't just in a cameo, sh- man. No, he's a full-ass character in this one. <laughs> who, like, comes back for more than just one scene. Unlike one, some of my other favorite horror appearances of him, like in Funhouse Massacre, which I still love <laughs> that movie. <laughs> Me too, man. I, I re-listened to that episode we did a couple of weeks <laughs> back, and I'm like, God damn, this movie was nuts. <laughs> It was so bonkers, but it was so fun. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but Robert England in this movie is the, you know, just like, again, in all of the stuff, he's the exposition man. But he's an mm-hmm. exposition man and a red herring and ties back to the plot towards the end also. Yeah. So and he's he, like a multi, like he's, he's a, a multifaceted a- thematic character. I think that makes him officially a part of this movie and not just Robert England in a horror movie. Yeah. Good for this one. <laughs> to, to just this one right did below it. Nightmare on Elm Street. Urban Legend is like his other iconic role, I would say, because it's mm-hmm. specifically unique. Yeah. Um, but what's his deal? Who is he? So Robert England plays Professor Wexler, who is there. uh, was it, was it English teacher? 
I don't know, I but don't he's know doing a unit like on urban legends. Folklore, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. It is folklore because he's talking about yeah, how I mean, this is American class. folklore. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the college English Arsan folklore. Yeah. Um, it's the one that um, Helen was uh, TAing in Candyman. It's the exact Candyman. same yeah. class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so he brings up the. Um, Essentially, the urban legend that became When a Stranger Calls in the 70s, uh, which I appreciated that little nod to the other. I'm pretty sure that movie was also filmed in Canada, so I think that's a nice little horror it nod. Is. It was, and it was right around the time. I think it was a couple years before, if not the same year. No, that was in the 60s, right? Uh, 70s, I think. Calls. Okay, because then it was right around the same time as Black Christmas, which we know is like the OG, OG slasher. That's right, yeah. Um, Man, yeah. But yeah, so he's talking about that, and then he brings up uh, another much smaller and less dramatic folklore uh, urban legend in that he's like, hmm, you guys ever had Pop Rocks and soda before? (laughs) (laughs) It made me think, because like my... My two notes about this scene outside of, you know, like, just gotta have a class about folklore in an urban legend horror movie. Like, you just always have to. Oh, yeah. But my only other two were, Mr. Kruger, when is the test on nightmares? And then, yo, when's the last (laughs) time you had Pop Rocks? Because honestly, I couldn't tell you. I don't think I could tell you the last time I had Pop Rocks. It's probably not been since, like, middle school. But I'm not gonna lie, watching this movie did make me want to have some Pop Rocks. Agreed. (laughs) Did you ever try the Pop Rocks with Coke thing? I never did, but I had heard it before. Um, I feel like it would feel really interesting. I feel like it would feel like indigestion that just goes away. Huh. Interesting. Alternatively, if you just rock it all in... (laughs) No, it doesn't. Yeah, well, sort of. Some guy just decides to pretend he's dying... To try to prove his professor wrong. Okay, this guy, I, I can't remember his name, but... His name is Parker. Who, Parker, okay. Because in real life, the killer would be Parker. Because Parker is, is oh, yeah. like, he's exhibiting manic, violent, and, like, borderline personality disorder symptoms all the time, and no one's saying anything about it. Yeah, um... Yeah, this character Parker is played by uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who uh, many people will probably know from uh, Smallville. He played Lex Luthor um, mm-hmm. for like 15 years. He also voiced the Flash in like all of the Justice League stuff from the mid 2000s. Yeah, so he's a bigger voice actor nowadays than um, live performer. I'm pretty sure. It's cool because right around the time he was doing the voice of the Flash, he would also share those same movies and shows with the guy that the guy that was voicing Superman was our man from Saw Seven, the guy that was uh, God. That's right. What's his name? Um, oh, mm, Danny, <laughs> who is it? Wait. Oh. 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 Um. What's his name in Saw Seven? Shit. Oh. Damn it. We're Hold up! This in. I'm gonna find this. <laughs> no, 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 no! I gotta, I gotta think it through. Bill? No, that's not. Sh- oh my God. He was in Father of the Bride too. I forgot about that. What was his name? Damn it! I'm looking. 
<laughs> my internet's slow. I keep thinking William Easton, but that's Saw 6. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he's been in so many lose, movies. Do I lose Saw credibility? Because I think I you don't. I think you'll lose some points here. Man, you're just losing points today. You, you missed out on Mortal Kombat. Now you're missing out on Saw... I'm slipping. I'm I'm really slipping, you know. This, this <laughs> summer is not doing you favors, my friend. <laughs> no, I've been so off on all my horror stuff. Like really, I'm glad we keep doing the show because that's what's been keeping me going, man. Like like in terms of like watching horror stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I got to stay on the pulse or else I'm going to like fade away completely. This is embarrassing that I don't know. This this hurts. Saw, saw 7. Uh, let's google this. His name is Bobby Dagan. Bobby Dagan. Anyway, back to the... (laughs) That was painful. That hurt. That was not fun. So, psychopath fakes being... Like fakes what, dying. What you, what's the even like? Okay, so you eat pock rocks. Mm-hmm. You get the you drink some coke. It's supposed to what like turn into acid or just kill you so or make you explode. I think it's I think it's supposed to like have a some kind of chemical reaction that like melts your stomach or something, mm-hmm. or like blows up your stomach internally. But like right. that's not how science works. Not even close. <laughs> These kids are in college at a clearly very nice, expensive college. They should know this. Yeah. Um, but you know, the point of that lecture before you know Professor Kruger gets uh, derailed by psychopath over here, Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, his point is that like seeing the urban legends people know from pop culture, like. All of the ones in all of these, in this whole movie, they're all the most popular ones. Like, they're all stuff that people definitely will have known or will recognize. And his point about all of it is it's something that everyone understands and everyone kind of claims to have had happened to someone close to them also. So Mm -hmm. his whole point was like, okay, everyone has the same story. It clearly is not a real story. Like, it's not something that actually happened then. Um but it, it's kind of cool that, you know, relative squares that at least know urban legends that maybe won't have seen this movie will, can watch mm-hmm. it and recognize, like, the extent of the violence or the extent of the gore is the same as it is in those in those stories. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of like making scary stories to tell in the dark into a movie. Like, you've already read the book. You already know how scary it is. Mm-hmm. So the movie is just going to be like seeing it's just a it visual. It. Yeah, it's a visual version. Of exactly. It. It's like this movie is like the illustration of the, you know, passed down through like vocal story, urban legend, you know, whole archetype. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. But it's like, you know, how people pass things down orally. This is like mm-hmm. the illustration of that oral history. Yeah. But also Final Destination because the group is all like, hey, someone's killing us and no one believes anyone. And we gotta try to, like, stop this, maybe, if any <laughs> of like, us wanna what do we live. Do? Oh, man. And, and it brings that whole thought of them being like, it's us against whoever's killing us because, like, the cops don't believe us and no one else is going to do anything. It, mm-hmm. it, it sets up a lot of interesting uh, dynamics 
for uh, for, yeah. for everybody. Um, do you remember any of those specifically? Like, I know that they. I have a couple that stood out to me, but they mainly were just like how mad I was that no one believed them. <laughs> Um, well, I, I'm looking through your outline, so I do, um, I am going to steal one of these because I just want to talk about the car death for a little bit. Um, yeah. because not only is it, a, honestly, kind of like messed up scene if you think about it, because these are all kind of messed up, but yeah, absolutely this one. Um, but like that scene also starts with the girl not being into it. Like, in the urban legend, they were making out, but in this one, he's trying to make a move, and she is not into it. And so he gets all pissy, and then he actually has to go take a piss, pun intended. Um, (laughs) And so while he's gone, he's gone for longer than she thinks he should be, and so when she starts to call out to him, and she hears things outside, she's like, oh god, oh god. And then you hear the scratching on the roof, and then she has to drive away. And then when she goes to talk to people about it, they try to convince her that she didn't see him die. It's kind of, not kind of, it's extremely messed up. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, gaslighting your friend into thinking that that she didn't totally just watch her boyfriend get murdered by someone in a big feminine parka, because that's what the killer wears, by the way. It's kind of hilarious. I, yeah. I don't like the outfit of the killer, but I know why they did it because the movie was originally supposed to take place over the winter. So the coat made sense, but then they changed it to be like a spring movie and, and they just left the coat and it doesn't make sense anymore. (laughs) I mean, to me, it kind of just made the killer resemble the Zodiac killer, but it was like something kind of like what we're going to talk about next week with happy death day. Something that's mm-hmm. going to be commonplace and something that you can easily slip in and out of. It's not as bulky as wearing a full ghost face costume. It's something that you can just kind of ditch. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it's just a coat. You can't prove that, like, someone just wearing a coat is a murderer. I I guess the bigger thing that makes it not work for me is that, like, any of the fake outs for anyone else wearing coats, I'm just like, why are, why are you wearing a coat? It's got to be, like, 70 degrees outside. Yeah, like, and like, why are put you put your winter parka away? Don't wear it <laughs> yeah, until you get to the water at the pool. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one was weird. Because really, I'm like, all right, they're gonna just fake me out. But like, pools are warm. Why are you wearing your ski parka? That's like lined with fur, like around and the hood. Yeah, it's like big and furry. The person's just wearing that, and then their swimsuit. And I'm like, what are you doing? Wear regular clothes. Yeah, like it's like they're doing some like the thing role play. Like they just need the the, the Arctic parka to yeah. be integrated. <laughs> um, oh man! Uh, but the coat, the coat aside, um, I do think that having the uh, the kills be all based on the urban legends, and it's not like the urban legends are coming to life or something. Like, like it's mm-hmm. not goosebumps or scary stories to tell in the dark. It's not like just because people are telling them that they're coming true, like in Candyman, someone is clearly, you know, someone in their class who mm-hmm. clearly, you know, that's, it's someone, the MO is clearly someone that's in their class who's learning about all these urban legends and is killing people in these classes or connected to people in the class. Mm-hmm. It establishes a who's who of who that killer could be. 
And because it's a ski parka that could be worn by anyone, and there's a mm-hmm. huge lecture hall full of kids it could be, the killer could be anybody, and you don't know who they could kill next because everybody is both on and off the menu. Yeah. Um, case in point is when you have a uh, party, just like you gotta have in Scream, where everyone who could be the killer or the killer's victim are all in the same place. Is there? Yep. Because it's gotta happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, before we go into that, because I, I do want to talk about the dog that did a keg stand at that party. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about the scariest scene to me. Is this Tosh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so can you walk? Can you walk me? Can you walk us through the audience? I'm gonna be in the audience with them, just like a like a someone sitting on the rug with a bunch of kindergartners listening to you tell oh, the yeah. story. Oh yeah. All right. Because it's story time, everybody. I'm ready. <laughs> story time. So um, Tosh is trying to get her kicks in today, in that she's starting to IM chat because it's the late '90s. And she's like, hey, looking for goth guys. And this one person starts responding to her and is like, and I'm it's me, down. It's just me literally like biting my pillow like, I would have done it like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so she starts getting ready because um, she's excited to get her kicks in. Um, yeah. She's looking forward to it. Um, and she's asking, well, what room are you in? And while she goes away to uh, powder her nose or do whatever she has to do in the bathroom. Do drugs or something. I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, there's a message that just says, I'm in your room or something along those lines. Um, and then next thing we know, she's coming back out of the bathroom and she's already and then she sees that they're in her room and she gets a little confused and then next thing she knows she's getting choked by a winter parka on her own bed the north face no (laughs) and then natalie her roommate starts trying to open the door and so the killer unplugs the computer and turns the lights off before continuing to choke Tosh out. And Natalie, having recently been yelled at for interrupting Tosh's previous um, friend uh, session, she's like, that was oh, a lucky, oh, lucky man. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay out of this. I'm just going to go to bed. You two have fun. Um, not knowing that she's getting choked and murdered next to her. Um, and then she puts on her headphones and goes to sleep in the bed next to where her roommate is dying. And then she wakes up to see that Tasha's wrists have been slit. And there's blood on the wall that says, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Yeah, I'm really glad, Mr. Killer, I'm traumatized forever i'm not gonna ever trust anything ever and again then the the fucking dean is like well she was manic depressive so she might have done this herself and that's just I'm a really so fucked incensed. up note <laughs> i'm really so incensed because the note is, is equivalent to like i killed myself signed the killer i mean signed tosh yeah. like, <laughs> it, it, it's just so obviously not that 
And, like, you're right. Yeah. It's so, you know, like, to ha- to be gaslit into being like, no, you didn't totally just get threatened, you know, by the, by the dean and by the cops who are supposed to be the ones that are, like, the ones looking for clues. They're, like, mm-hmm. not doing that. And they don't yeah. believe you. And it's so, it's so much scarier to me because not only did you just get, like, that close mm-hmm. to death, but now you've been openly, like, taunted, and the sa- the one safety net you could have in the authority isn't there. Yeah. So, for me, it just, like, left me feeling very vulnerable, like, if I were to be her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not in a good place at that point. Like, no, there is, and, there's no protection. No. Uh, <laughs> there's really nothing much that anyone can do, because despite the fact, okay, you know, Paul does serve a purpose, like I said before. He's the one, he's the school journalist that's going to blow the lid off of the fact that someone is killing people based on urban legends. And that it Until probably he has gets to do... fired. Well, before we get to that, he, like, as, in retrospect, I am actually giving him more credit than I gave it when I was <laughs> writing out the outline. Because he's pretty, I mean, he starts to veer off a little bit when he's like, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with what happened at... What hall was it? I'm going to call it mm-hmm. Tillman because Tillman's the one I'm thinking of. They're going to I want to say Tillman it was like hall, Sean Hall. Sean, yeah. Murder, stabby stab, make terrible hall. Yeah. That one. The one where all the Tillman. murders took place at the professor. <laughs> yeah, Tillman. You know, whatever. The one, the creepy, obviously haunted one. He starts to believe that their professor, Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. has something to do with the murders. And as a matter of fact, might even be the killer. Because he was mm-hmm. tied to the murders 20 years ago. Yeah. So, however tenuous his theories are, um, he's the only one that's like, hey, there's like a killer. Like, we should do something. These deaths are all connected to each other. He starts poking around in Natalie's past because she knew Michelle Mancini. And he's just like, mm-hmm. dude, you want to like tell us about that? Unfortunately, all this on paper sounds good, but Jared Leto does it. So he does it in such like, a creepy, aggro way. Yeah. And I'm really glad that he does get, like, um, actually, and then he gets fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that whole scene where he's, like, standing there and he's like, you know what, this is what's going on. And then they're like, what if you're the killer because you want your precious, precious student Pulitzer? And then he, like, just folds, like, a house of cards. Yeah. And I'm like, you get, you tell him, Parker, even though you're clearly the killer. Mm-hmm. He's not, but, like, at the time, I'm like, wow. I mean, or you could be the killer. Yeah. Throwing out accusations. <laughs> uh, also, there was a there was a point where um, they're looking around, Natalie and, and, and Paul are, um, and sh- the killer had been using an axe for most of the murders thus far, and um, they find an axe, and she looks at it and says, Paul... And I'm like, oh, we're so close, Danny. She might as well have just said, hey, Paul, and then killed him with an axe. (laughs) That would have been a twist. Because, again, American Psycho was, like, very, very, very soon, either before or after this. Two years later, it was in 2000, if memory serves. God, I want to rewatch American Psycho. You should do it, man. You know what? I will. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so the dean, the gaslit dean, we want to talk about his death? <sighs> yeah, because also, speaking of people who kind of deserve death at this point, because he's done so much to cover up so much bullshit at this school, he's got to know yeah. that he's in the wrong here, right? 
No. <sighs> You're right. So anyway, <laughs> so we're in this parking garage, uh, and he's trying to go to his car, and this one gets a little fuzzy for me until the actual death, so correct me if I'm wrong at any point here. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he's going to his car, and he sees another car out there that just kind of starts inching forward until the killer steps out while the car's still moving. F- oh, no, I did miss something. I missed a very important something. Um, when he's at his car and ha- after he finishes a weird conversation with somebody, uh, his the back of his ankle gets slashed at with a little yeah. knife. And so he's stuck on the ground, not being able to, to walk. Warn him about that. Um, yeah, that one was. It's not as intense as it is in some other movies, like Pet Cemetery, but it's still or not hostile. a fun thing to watch. Oh God, don't even. Uh, that's later. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but so he can't run away from the car as it slowly inches towards his death, which reminded me of Deadpool Zamboni kill a little bit. Yeah, um, I thought about that too. <laughs> But instead of just, like, slowly getting run over by a car, um, he ends up backing up, basically up against what would um, destroy tires and ends up getting stabbed into it by this car. And, like, it It stabs into the back of his shoulders. (laughs) Like, that could not be a comfortable thing to die on. Absolutely not. Um, I, I think what's one of the really cool things about this movie, especially if, especially if like blood doesn't really bother you, it's not like overtly gory. It's not like in you know in insane amounts of gore, but I mean there is blood and there are, there are violent deaths. Like again, very akin to Final mm-hmm. Destination, where like they're less yeah like horrifically real looking and more like horror movie type like interesting ways to kill people type thing. Yeah, so it kind of takes a lot of the like horror out of like the realism of death. Um, and mm-hmm. in that way, I think that all of these kills would be like any other slasher's like best kill of the movie. Golden Chainsaw. Like, they are all very. I'm with. Yes, absolutely. They all would be Golden Chainsaw. Yeah. Because they're all so, like the build up to it is great. The execution of it's great. Like for instance, uh, Tara Reed's character, the radio host, Sasha, um, dying. Yeah, S- Sasha, uh, who runs around uh, getting you know, stalked by the killer broadcasting her pleas of mercy over the radio. Yeah. And everyone's like, I still don't think there's a killer. It's like, even then they, they just don't believe anybody. Me but, being know, me, that... I do have to point out, um, Sasha was originally going to be played by Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy, the vampire slayer herself. Uh, she had signed on and then had to drop out because of her schedule with Buffy. This has been your Buffy, the vampire slayer fun fact of the episode. I re- I contain I uh, keep my Buffy points because I didn't miss it. I don't ever think that that's ever in any doubt, but I still <laughs> duly noted. I also think that she just was like, I've be- done enough slashers this decade. No more. I can. I'm already on a show where I kill stuff regularly. <laughs> I can't be. Yeah. Um. But. You know, with that kill, just, you know, and, and the rest of them, just the the way that they're set up, the urban legend that they're trying to portray, it's very, like, Seven-esque to be, like, mm-hmm. to see, like, almost a, in an art form come together. Like, it's like watching an episode of Criminal Minds or following along, like, with a Hannibal Lecter 
because the murders are expressions Mm -hmm. as much as they are, you know, interesting horror movie deaths. Yeah. And Uh, I mean, it is kind of fun that all of them are themed after urban legends like that as a concept is fucking rad. Yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, that this movie is just an excuse to do that. It just mm-hmm. to be like, what if those things, like, what if they what were if that was real? Like a serial killer's mo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, can we talk about this house party for a bit? Let's do it. Please tell me how you feel about the dog, Matt. Uh, okay, so it's I have a complicated relationship with this dog, and I think that we should warn people going in. This is one of the unfortunate occasions. Uh, where the very cute dog not only dies, dies, dies a horribly. Death. <laughs> oh my it's god, it's so worst. fucked, dude. <laughs> it it was not pretty. Um, but at least he gets to do a <laughs> he does a keg stand, man. <laughs> They're at this party, you know. It's it's the it's the obligatory ninety slasher. There's a murderer, so let's make their job easy for them, and I'll hang out at my house. Mm-hmm. So. You know, which I get. It's a, I kind of like that as a vibe. It's a good like climax setup. And it also kind of up in the air guarantees you a pretty sizable body count. Yeah. But you know we got we got boys in the kitchen with his little dog, uh, and they're they're feeding him beer. But like you know not actually of course. Mm-hmm. But you know the dog's doing a keg stand, and they start cheering his name, and I'm like man, that's probably the best that dog has ever felt in his entire life yeah good pup um and then he ended he his life on a gets, high yeah and then he gets thrown in a microwave and uh roast dies yeah like a gremlin like it's uh man it was and i've never heard that urban legend before but that's fucking awful that's a that's a sad urban legend because yeah i had never heard of that Right, because it's Parker, right? Like, this is Parker's dog. Yeah. I think, right? I'm pretty sure, So Parker gets a call. I mean, I'm still, at this point, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Parker's the killer, because, I mean, you you can tell by everything about him. Uh, But he gets a call from this killer that is, you know, he's like, dude, have you heard the one about the woman who drives her dog off in the microwave? And it, he kind of does it in a way to call his bluff. It's almost like in a Scream 6 situation where it's like they're calling people and getting them all riled up to get them in position to just kill them without them knowing with their guard down. Except that this also just mm-hmm. is that. It also just is an excuse to have killed a dog with a microwave, which is, again, horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, man... And then Parker, how does how does he die? Do you remember how he dies? I don't actually. Hold on. How did he die? Because this was at because the... he is not the killer. No, he's not. Um. Fuck. Which one is he? What? Because it's at the party, right? He actually, I just remembered. So he was the asshole who faked being dead when the Pop Rocks uh, <gasps> fiasco You're happened. right. That's what he it was. He ends up getting blindsided in his bathroom and getting, like, a tube forced down his throat, and he's just fed caustic chemicals. Uh, it's yeah, he, it's like toilet nuts. cleaner or yeah, something else. Yeah, it's pretty else. hardcore. <laughs> it's also very viscerally scary. <laughs> yeah. 
um, it, again, in the same manner of that's, like doing the keg right, stand, good. they just did that, but they poured Drano in there, and it, you know, it liquefies your insides, and and you die. Yeah, that'll fuck you up. That'll really fuck you up for for life. Right. So yeah, I guess these these murders you should you know for this movie just a little bit of a warning that they do get a little bit intense for like a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think that's like about as scary yeah. as the movie gets. Yeah, because it's not like yeah. a sus- it's not an overly like suspenseful movie in that like the tone will scare you, but some of the kills no. might get <laughs> to you a little bit. But you know what I will say. Now that we're kind of transitioning more towards the end, uh, it's not it, it, just because it doesn't really scare you and it doesn't really build the the tension that way. It still kind of pulls the rug out from under me when it came to the killer. Oh yeah, I did not see this killer coming at all. No, kind of I, because I had really forgotten about her, but that <laughs> that's beside the point. I honestly, because I had just rewatched Hellfest within the last week or so, so I remember mm-hmm. I, I just was more primed on the idea of two best friends being the two final girls. Yeah, um, and because I'm like, well, they don't seem to really like each other, so maybe their arc will kind of be like, oh, well, they'll get back together and they'll be they'll be friends or or whatever. Um, nope. But no, Brenda's the killer, <laughs> and has like a very personal vendetta as to why, which I kind of really liked. I really like it. It was, again, very Scream, but it was almost like more... It it made more sense than a Scream killer would. Ever since the first movie, the killers have just kind of been like, because they're bastards. But this one, it was like, no, that makes sense. The overkill was maybe a bit much, Brenda, because you're fucking insane. But, you know, I get the sentiment. Yeah. So why did Brenda do all this? So back in Natalie's like late high school days, she was with yeah. some of her friends and kind of made the High Beams urban legend a reality. The High Beams gang violence urban legend in that they I were just I don't know what that s- one is. I don't either and they don't really explain it all that much in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I don't I don't really get it. <laughs> Supposedly it's a um people uh drive with their headlights off. And the first person to signal to them that they should have their headlights on get murdered as a gang initiation, right? Oh, my God. And, like, that's fucked up. Um, But so, in Natalie's case, um, she and some of her friends, she was not behind the wheel, she was just in the car, ended up just, like, flashing their high beams at somebody from behind and, like, essentially inadvertently caused them to crash and die which again, not a good time. Not not helpful that you have rec- no. reckless endangerment and uh, <laughs> accomplice to death on your record. No, but Michelle Mancini was in that car, and if anything, she's probably like, "Fuck them. We'll just not tell anybody, and no one will care." Well, we all have to take a pact. <laughs> no one will tell anybody yeah, she, about this. She started strangling Natalie and was like, "We take it to our grave." <laughs> but yeah so um brenda it was her boyfriend who they were gonna get engaged and married after graduation who was in the other car who ended up dying so she's pissed and has gone off the deep end 
Brenda went full Sweeney Todd and decided that she was going to kill anyone that Natalie ever saw. And she would do it so ironically that no one would believe that there was a killer. That it was and real. And she was almost right. <laughs> she almost got away with it. If it weren't for Truly, those meddling kids and Jared really Leto. Wanted... No, you know who it was for her? It was Officer Jackie Brown who saved the day. The unsung You're hero right. of this entire movie, by the way. <laughs> I think she was supposed to be like the comic relief, but the movie was like, no, she's cool. She's awesome. Let's just take her seriously. Yeah, and we like she her. Rules. Yeah, she's pretty. she's pretty rad. I don't remember what her official name is, but she's, like, campus security and is the only person for miles who somewhat believes that something is fishy. Besides Jared Leto and the rest of the kids, she's the only authority figure that's mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe let's, like, look into these murders or, like, crimes as murders. Yeah, maybe let's let's see what's going on here. Yeah, and... In a, in a mark that normally, to me, would scream uh, dangerous, um, she is a big fan of the, uh, I don't remember the actress's name, but the black exploitation films that the uh, star of Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino movie, was in back in the 70s. Basically, all the movies are just a black yeah. woman who kicks ass and shoots people, and is like, mm-hmm. you know, which is her big inspiration. Um, it yeah. kind of reminded me of, remember that, like, not Paul Blart Mall Cop movie with Seth Rogen that we watched together? Yes, it was the fucking servant protect or something. Yeah, you know how or in observant Paul Blart, report. it's kind of like, yeah, how in Paul Blart because it's um, Kevin, Kevin James, Kevin James, you know, like he's goofy and it's fun that he really cares about being a cop, mm-hmm. but because Seth Rogen plays it seriously and kind of is an aggro douchebag in that movie, he's like a brooding serial killer because of how much he takes his job seriously. Yes. This is the Paul Blart version of that. So at least it was like, <laughs> oh, she she's not dangerous. She's just there to help. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. But if in any other situation, no, I would not trust her. She would be very dangerous, and I'd be like, you're killing all these kids because you want to seem important. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's happened before, man. You're right. Um, But, God, okay, so... Brenda as the killer, though, I think is very cool because in the only way that it doesn't, the movie doesn't take itself super seriously is it's like, no, a motive doesn't need to make more sense, much more sense. It doesn't need to make sense much more than she was in love with this guy that you killed in her purview Mm -hmm. because she's even like oh, we'll just fucking get over it or go go to therapy or whatever. And none of those things work because Brenda is right here. Plus, she's got one of my favorite lines a killer has ever said, I've already tried therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's got everything kind of nailed down. She's like like the Joker. She's got everything kind of hammered out. All of her you know, um, conditions of how she's going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. She doesn't count on Officer Jackie Brown to shoot her, but, you know, she did count on Jared Leto being like, oh, I'm just going to exploit this, and then I'm going to seem like the obvious killer. And then I'm like, shit, she is really smart using Jared Leto's own creepiness against him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for that split second, you also thought that he was 
he was involved. Yeah, I was like, oh, god damn it, of course he was. Because, again, we're so inclined to think about, like, Scream from the mid-90s being the two-killer M.O., and you right. you think that that's what's going to happen again. And it, honestly, I was kind of happy that she was like, oh, that's cute. Now go shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, she didn't, I don't think, actually planned with him. And even if she did, she was like, I just need you to do this and then, like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, you're the fall guy. <laughs> I don't think he actually knew any of it until he was walking into that room. Oh, so he's just a brilliant actor? Because I don't really want to tell Jared Leto that to his face. As oh, no, he was still a bad actor are. because <laughs> he was immediately found out. <laughs> well, yeah, because Natalie looks at him and she's like, oh, what? And I'm over here like, of course. Did you not talk to him at all? He's so suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Brenda's like, okay, this is fucking weird. Go away. We'll end with the climax being how it is, you know, like Brenda is just, you know, she's just mm-hmm. one person. Uh, so she's not all that physically threatening. So it's just more like because she got the drop on people, but now that everything's out in the open, the way that she get, it gets to protect herself is just because the whole thing is so elaborately constructed. Yeah. Um, but even towards the very, very end, she still does get like slasher powers because they do shoot her, but I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, man. Because then it's her and Jared Leto driving away, and then she's in the back seat with uh-huh. the axe. And I'm like, of course she's alive. They didn't shoot her in the head. Haven't you seen Scream? Haven't you seen every slasher movie? I'm like, come on, man. And then she comes back again again for the, like... I was actually a big fan of that. I'm glad she's alive. I... <laughs> I kind of liked it too, and that's why I think there are sequels to this movie. Having never seen any of them, I'm sh- I hope they deal with that, but I'm sure they don't. I don't know um, if if anything, because I've heard of at least one sequel, but it sounded like it was just another excuse to be like, okay, about seven years have passed. Here's some more urban legends we're gonna put out, kind of like again, scary stories to tell in the dark. There's just such a wide breadth of stuff and Mm -hmm. stories that you can turn into illustrations that are cool and interesting and people will like to see you know yeah i mean maybe put brenda in there because i mean she's pretty cool i'm I'm a fan of brenda i also think it would be interesting if a sequel were to bring brenda in and have her be one of the victims that time Ah, turn things on its head yeah yeah i like i do tend to support that in horror movie sequels I do too. I'm a big fan of that, especially with, uh, you know, back in the day when like slasher sequels, I mean, slasher movies weren't even all that important to people anymore. So let alone their sequels were, were kind of more or less like overlooked completely. Uh, but yeah. yeah, there's a lot of potential for that. Um, man, I, I think just overall, this one was a really big diamond in the rough. I'm glad that, uh, we, yeah. Across it. Well, yeah. And I, I will say again, I think the biggest selling point for this movie, in my opinion, is the like concept behind it and seeing the execution of these urban legends that you've heard before done in a visual medium. I think it's just so interesting to see that play out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I really was into the, 
you know, the trip down, you know, folklore lane. Cause these are like stories I remember hearing when I was younger, you know, like the first time mm-hmm. I would hear urban legends, I'm like, Oh man, it's like scary stories, but like real, you know, it was like the first time mm-hmm. that like that type of horror content was like made available to me. And I think a lot of people that's like how a lot of people get introduced to, you know, the horrors of reality mixed with the horrors of folklore and I think just, it's mm-hmm. a neat concept. I, I'm I'm really into that sort of thing. I, if anyone else has like yeah. grown up with urban legends that you guys want to talk about, like let us know. DM us, uh, Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast, or you know email us. You can reach our email at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, because I mean I love hearing about urban legends. I love a good ghost story. I mean, yeah, I'm a sucker for it. Uh, anywhere I go, even if it's total horseshit, I just think it's super super interesting. Absolutely. Um, and for anyone who's interested in watching this movie, it is currently on Hulu. If you pay, if you subscribe to that, um, service, it was recently on HBO max, but did just switch over. I think just this month. Bummer. It jumped ship from one to the other, but you can usually find them. I mean, I know that this movie is a, uh, off referenced classic from the nineties. So, you know, a lot of people I know are, mm-hmm. uh, fans of it. So, I mean, you know, ask around people probably have heard of it if not even seen it i think this is another one that you know an an older generation of people that maybe aren't even horror fans will still have seen it uh so uh it it kind of exists as like an underground hit but yeah ask around check this movie out it's really good i i thoroughly enjoyed it yes it's 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 definitely a fun ride yeah, man. Well, I'm very excited to continue into the uh, the college aspect of growing up with next week's movie. Um, I know it's one of our favorites. We saw it together, didn't we? Or no, the, at least the second one we saw together. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, get ready for next week when we talk about the new take on the Groundhog Day classic formula of Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day seems trashy, actually pretty wholesome. Very wholesome. That we will discuss in de- we will discuss in depth next time on Square Horror. <laughs> and until that next time, <laughs> you stay spooky out there. Check your back seats. There's a murderer there.